0: Welcome to the art studio. I am your host Dan Burke I hope all of you are having a great day in your art studio, and I hope the art is coming out well I was thinking today Since I'm just about at the you know the exact halfway point of this year Where I'm at with my plans and my ambitions from this year and I guess, to be 100% honest, as usual, <laughs> it's been like a 90% failure and a 10% success. I don't know why the heck that is. If I could just somehow reverse that ratio. And when I say failure, I'm going to talk specifically about some things I tried and I'd end I guess, I guess if you say the goal was fill-in-the-blank and I didn't make that goal, it turned out to be a fail. But like most things that you fail at, you learn along the way. You sort of reassess, rebuild, come back, try again, and so on. Probably the biggest failure, most blatant, most obvious, easiest to see was my venture into building games. Now, depends how you want to assess failure. It didn't make any money. But, it did teach me a whole bunch of things, fueled my creative fire, and had me make nearly 130 full-color paintings for that game. I also created a bunch of full-color painted artwork for other games. A medieval game, a space game, Santa Claus vs. the Snowmen, a children's game. I developed some card games. And not one of them did a thing. Now, of course, I didn't put them out there and sell them in a way that you and I would think of it like on Amazon or so on. I did try Kickstarter with them, and I failed. I have failed at a bunch of stuff. I suppose the other biggest, most blatant failure I've had, and believe me, we can go on here for days about these failures, is uh, YouTube. I have done so many flavors of YouTube videos. I have done tutorials, long form video. I have done casual lessons. I have done, you know, formal stuff. I have done talk shows. I have done comedy. I have done animation. I have done reviews. I have tried every damn flavor of a YouTube you can imagine and just had absolutely no luck. Nothing. No traction. So obviously, I have a face for radio. Whatever happens over on YouTube doesn't work for me. I wonder what that is because... I know how to make professional videos and edit and the whole thing, and I can make animation and... Hmm. Can't, can't crack that one. Like so many, I've tried all these different things, professional approaches, I believe, upgraded cameras, great sound. You know, I have all the software, and I've studied it. Nothing. I once made an animated film where I interview, interview a superman. He actually sits down next to me. You know, it's like I'm there and he's next to me as an animation, just like Roger Rabbit. And that thing took like two weeks. Nothing. So that has been a massive quote-unquote failure if the goal was to create an audience. And that was the goal. I suppose we could look at podcasting the same way. What did podcasting ever do for me? Well, emotionally, it did a lot. It allowed me to talk to you guys, get things off my chest, express myself in a way that is unavailable anywhere else in the whole world. To me, so for per personally, that's good. But I don't know if it does that much, like per se, like it doesn't make me money. That's not the goal. It doesn't make me famous. It it makes me. I don't know, it has made me a few friends, encouraging artists. But I can't say that it has, like, changed my life. Now, I could be wrong about this. I could be wrong. Here's why. Like any person who, you know, steps up in front of the whole world and starts talking and expresses an opinion, like, I like cotton candy, You'll have a certain amount of people on one side who like the cotton candy, a certain amount who don't, and that causes the people who don't to move away from you. So those, maybe those opportunities and those things that would have happened with those people don't happen because you've expressed your opinion about cotton candy. The inverse of that is when you speak out for cotton candy or an advocate for cotton candy, people who like it and want to back it back you. I guess I remember somebody sitting down with me one time and saying to me, people are never going to feel sorry for you. And I said, how come? And they said, because you're mentally quick. You always talk like you know what you're doing. And that's pretty annoying. I said, really? And they said, oh, yeah. So you're going to have to be good at everything you do because you're never going to elicit sympathy. And it's funny, my mom and my parents didn't give me sympathy and nor did they ever lay a guilt trip on me. They weren't those kind of people. I guess in a very real way, and I'm not kidding, I think that I could create a character, a persona that people would feel sorry for and then act accordingly I think people are ruled by emotion I really do now I could be wrong about that and I probably am here's why some of the most successful people I know are successful in a way that absolutely defies me their message is not Positive. In fact, it's negative. It's almost like hate speak. And people find that amazingly gratifying. I guess it's like someone who steps up and says, You know, I hate fill in the blank. Other people go, Yeah, I hate that too. And so they all jump on the I hate it bandwagon, I guess. I can't really explain it. So, again, I'm probably wrong about that. But let's talk about failure some more. Boy, have I got some failures. One of the successes is, is I have really uh, come a long way in my painting this year. Holy cow, doing full color render, rendered painted work has changed everything about my color work. When I sit down now to color my books and my comics, they look completely different. Better, much more subtle. So I'm very pleased about the progress I've made there. Another big failure is I spent a lot of time creating and launching a store for a business. And it didn't go anywhere. Now, with any store, anything, whether it's Victoria's Secrets or McDonald's, you have to advertise it. You have to let people know it exists. That part of the business plan was not up to me. In fact, that was the other person's deal. Their job was to make people know it exists. Now, I don't know how well they've done it, but they don't seem to have done it very well. But I'm not handing out fault. I'm actually just assessing something else where I'm thinking that the demand is not actually there. In other words... I believe they probably are beating the drum about the fact that they have merchandise for sale. But I'm not sure that the people who are the fans or the folks who come to see the shows are actually interested in the merchandise. It's kind of like a rock band. They have t-shirts. They have CDs. certain amount of fans will buy that stuff. And you have to tell the fans, hey, we got that stuff for sale. But not everybody buys it. In fact, I'd say it's a small percentage. Now, I don't know, though. Like, things can go both ways on this. I have produced other products and stuff that have gone through the roof. So, I think you have to try. uh, And this is a really good try. These people are on TV. You know, I have a really good shot here. But nothing has developed yet. So with what i would call you know just a ton of effort and a ton of time and money invested it didn't go anywhere big fail f big flashing neon f i put a lot of time into that i mean the equivalent of a month full-time maybe it's hard to say exactly but at least that and the setup on every single piece of merchandise is insane. Each little extra large, large, you know, three to, 3X three t-shirt, extra small, each has to have its own file uploaded, separately labeled, correctly set up on the print side, over on the order side, the shopping cart, the whole thing. It's a big thing to put that together. I put it together, build it, and absolute zero. Now, we've had about six sales in the store. So, it hasn't been a complete zero, but nearly. And obviously, six sales is not going to do a thing for me. I have no interest in anything that does that. I'm going to keep it going for another year. My gut tells me nothing's going to change. But, I don't want to cash my chips in early And be stupid because I think that the way things work is much like Edison in the light bulb you have to try 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 fail 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 and then suddenly things break so I don't think you know I only fail if I give up but right now I think it's a fail and if you ask me from my lifetime of experience what's going to happen I don't think it's going to happen one of the reasons why is when I've had other products and other things like this that I've brought to marketplaces, when they've worked, they've really worked. And they worked in a way that we could see it was going to work and be like, okay, we need to do more of this. And that has literally been the way with everything I've been successful with. In other words, you know, the very first pitch to sell it, usually that offer generates a pretty good acceptance. And that then signals me that, hey, we got a winner. When people don't even care or ignore it, hmm, hard to say. Another thing that looks like a failure but wasn't was my creating a Patreon in January and February. I wanted to see who was really interested in the show, and I've identified those six people. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Jim. Danny. And... It was great to identify them because I got to know them a little bit better, and they got to know me a whole lot better. I did a daily show going through my adventures, what was happening, took them downtown to where I live, and people really got to know who I am and share in my life. I finally came to the conclusion that that's not what I want to do, and I came to it pretty quick unlike the podcasting that I enjoy and just goes out there and it's free and you know the world can pick it up or choose not to, Patreon is a little different. And I felt obligated to produce something, not every day, but something good and fun for people to listen to. And I really appreciated the people who were on Patreon with me. You know, I waited tables for years and years and years. Can I get you an iced tea there? I'll be right back. And... I can accept tips. I'm not against being tipped. I'm all for it. People can give me extra money as a way of saying, thank you, good job. So I considered Patreon a tip for a good job. But I wasn't doing a job. That's the thing. I was just sort of meeting people and having fun, like as if I created a coffee club. And I didn't think that people needed to pay to come and be part of my coffee club. That was the reality of it. And it's a lot to keep up with. I felt obligated. With the podcast, I don't feel obligated. I can go on vacation for a couple months and that's the way it is. So, I guess you have to look at it one of two ways. Did it generate a whole bunch of people and money and interest? No. So that might be a failure. Did it create for me something that transcended experience for me and actually was a very good and positive thing for me? That answer is yes. So I guess it depends how you look at it. It really gave me a lot of experience in speaking on video and doing that sort of thing. And believe it or not, even though I'm pretty comfortable with radio, I'm not comfortable with video. I'm not. It feels weird to me. I'd rather, you know, go up in front of a stage and do a live, you know, talk than I would go like to do in front of a video talk. Here's the thing about all these failures. You know, so many hundreds of videos on YouTube fail. Patreon fail. Kickstarter fail. So many things fail. With each thing, you sort of learn... Perhaps a bunch of skills that seem at the time useless, but later on they're valuable much like building this new modern store I built a new modern store now in the old days just you know four or five years ago. I've built shopping carts But nothing like this This is a whole new thing for me to build with the new technology the way it exists today So I got a whole new bag of tricks That's a good thing Doing video every day and talking on video and presenting on video and making videos for YouTube specifically taught me how to make better and better YouTube videos. And there's a thing about making YouTube videos. They're different than, let's say, other kinds of, you know, video or TV content. Not always, but they definitely are. And so for me, I started using them to market my art to businesses And rather than just trying to create an audience and talk about, you know, whatever hits my mind, like the podcast, I was like, hey, you need to hire me as an artist and here's why. And I use them as commercials on my website. And they've been very effective. And I think one of the reasons they're so effective is because of all the practice. I did like 110 videos and then I made the three or four videos I use as commercials on my website. And all that experience and all that daily making of videos and getting over my camera shyness and stuff, that really helped. And learning how to make better presentations, that helped. Presenting is a deal. It's not something I was born doing. I'm not Vanna White. So I had to learn it, and that has really helped me. You know, I may not elicit a lot of sympathy from people, But when I talk to people and say, hey, here's the plan for your project, here's what I'd like to do, here's, I'm going to introduce myself, I do come across as extremely credible, intelligent, and like the real deal, which is all true, I hope. So people can then hear my voice, look at me, and make a buying decision and say, do I trust this guy enough to send him money, and will he really draw my pictures like he promises to draw? Now, the answer is yes, yes, yes. So, I think that creating that thing, those, you know, that YouTube video specifically, those videos, was a big deal and it was all, all came from all those failures. This last client, when they hired me, quote unquote, I did a presentation in video for them that was about a minute and 20 seconds long. And they really loved it. When I Thanks. closed the account or I closed the job off with this last client, this is a big client, big life-changing client. I made a thank you video for them thanking them for hiring me for the task that they did. And I had screenshots of me making the art, coloring the art, different pencil sketches, I did a very quick one minute 40 second video and it was really cool because it shows the whole project like coming together in different parts of it, the pencils and the inks. It's really neat. For those involved in the project, it's cool to watch. So of course they didn't pay me to make any videos, but it's another way to interact with people. It's another way to build rapport, to build a client to client relationship. And it works it works people get to know you as a human being as opposed to just some nameless email I think it's really important it makes a big difference people hire me from all around the world my commission today which I'm going to end the show talking about proves my point lady from Australia came to my website, saw my art, watched my video, and said, I'll hire this bloke. (laughs) Or more or less something like that. And she hired me. I produced one of the very best pieces of my whole life for this lady, for her one-year anniversary. I am drawing so well right now, it's crazy. I never thought I could draw like this. It's like as if I'm channeling somebody else. I keep waiting for the car accident or to fall down a flight of steps and it's all over. But anyway, I digress, as I often do. No one's ever going to see this piece. Except this lady and her husband and whoever walks into their house. She ordered from me the usual 11 by 14 I delivered a 24 by 36 poster. In fact, the last couple clients I've had, just for the hell of it, I have delivered them full poster-size work, which, for anyone who knows me, knows I draw big. I draw four up, and then I reduce it. So I actually draw the art 16 feet tall. 16 feet. I know you're thinking that's absolutely crazy. But when I reduce it down to 3 feet... Holy crap, it looks great. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) It looks amazing. I've done a couple giant uh, paintings and portraits and work this year. The uh, Monster's Last Supper with Frankenstein having dinner with all the monsters. That is a 16-foot illustration. That thing is huge. And every detail, right there, all life-size, perfect, every fingernail. It's one of my better pieces I've ever done in my whole life. Anyway, what was the point of all that? Oh, yeah. People hire from me all over the world. Best piece. Yeah. I gave this lady 110% effort, my best work, my best effort, and nobody but her is going to see it And her husband. You're not going to see it. The guy at Marvel Comics isn't going to see it. No one's going to see it but her. So why would I do my very best lifetime work if it's just going to be sitting in this lady's closet for the rest of you know, my life? Because it's about me. Don't you get it? I'm excellent for me. Now, of course, I want to please the client and make them happy. It's not about making art. It's about making people happy. That's my job. I don't make art. I make people happy. So, you know... But, you know, I could probably hand any number of things, maybe half-assed work, and she'd be happy with it. But I wouldn't be happy with it. I have to be happy with it. And one of the big things about my journey as an artist and a human being is I keep constantly trying to reinvent myself into a better version of myself. And that includes artistically. I am growing as an artist. I'm getting better. When I look at my work just 24 months ago, I'm better, and I hope 24 months from now, I'm better. So I'm still on this journey. I'm still on this journey of you know, being a student and learning and getting better, and all of it comes from all my failures, <laughs> all my multitude of mistakes and failures that have shaped me into the person I am. If I hadn't failed a million times on YouTube... I would never be in the position to sit down and make a really great video in about 20 minutes and shoot it off to a client across the internet and have them be like, wow, gee whiz, this guy cares about us and what a cool video and this is neat. You know, there's good client interaction and there's bad client interaction. Bugging people doesn't help. It doesn't work. But I think thanking people, acting professional, doing presentations that show you're excited about the work and you care, I think that makes a difference to people, especially to clients. Would you rather hire somebody who gives a crap about your project or somebody who's just phoning it in? I think we know the answer to that, but how many people just phone it in? I think the vast majority of artists, well, I can't say that. I just know too many who don't give 100%. But let me flip that right over. I know others who get paid nothing, peanuts, who work for free, and who they give 110% all the time, all the time. People like, well, I don't want to name, I don't want to list them. It makes it sound silly to list them because it makes them sound not successful. But the truth of it is they can draw an ink rings around me, these people I were about to name, They're way successful, especially artistically. (sighs) Went down a few roads there and I apologize. I'm passionate about this particular thing. I really think that we short shrift ourselves when we don't give our best effort. I really do. This is one of my big mantras in life and I can't explain it. I know that most people just work just hard enough not to get fired. But if that's the case, if that's why you're there at that job, I feel sorry for you. I really do. And I'm not being facetious because what a crappy way to go through life, having to do something you don't want to do. I am an extremely lucky person. Like everybody, I have to work to earn a living, but to earn a living, I get to do what I like to do. And man, that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. I have a bunch of plans and projects planned for this second half of the year as I evaluate the first half of the year. I've done really well on this first half of the year despite months of wasted time on stuff that didn't do a damn thing. But I've got other projects and ideas coming up here. And like, you know, all my stuff, gosh, I have an endless supply of them. But they don't... (laughs) don't torture me like they used to i guess that's the biggest difference now there was a weird feeling in me for a long time like an impatience or a or a feeling like i'd missed the train or i was late for something like there was time running out it's weird i don't feel like that anymore i don't feel like there's a lot of time or endless things ahead of me at all in fact i feel like like a basketball player I can see the end of my career I can see it it's not going to be forever but I'm really content with what I've done so far I'm really happy with where I've been able to come and even though it's been a 90% failure situation the whole way starting in kindergarten I've really enjoyed the process it is really true it's not the arrival that makes you happy. That's not happiness. Happiness is enjoying the journey. It's the damnedest thing. It's one of those lessons that you have to come to. And everybody comes to it. Every smart person comes to a certain set of lessons, I've noticed. If you read a book by a smart person, they you know tell you about their life, you'll see that through different circumstances... Everybody comes to the same conclusions more or less. Not everybody, but most people. It's kinda of like learning that people aren't different. Everybody's the same. Doesn't matter the color of your skin, your gender, where you grow up, where you've been born, people are essentially the same. One of the big problems with the world is we're afraid of other people and other cultures. And the best way to overcome that is by meeting those other people and meeting those other cultures and getting out there. How many people, you know, start off afraid of a certain class of people? I'm afraid of, you know, gay people. I'm afraid of straight people. I'm afraid of black people. I'm afraid of white people. And they eventually come across some white people and meet them or some gay people. And they find out they're not all that bad. And they actually like them and know them. And that's what I'm trying to get to is that We have so much more in common than human beings that we have differences that it's a 99% commonality and it's too bad that our 1% differences split us. And let me tell you where that difference comes from. It comes from the distribution of wealth across the world. People need not be poor and starving and suffering. We have to distribute the wealth differently. There's enough for everybody to eat every day and for people to be alive and to enjoy their life. But that's not the way it works. But it could work that way. People created the situation that currently exists in the world. Let's just say that people are the ones who screwed things up. Then that means people are the ones who can fix it. That means the potential to fix it Is within the grasp of human beings. So if people can bring injustice to the world, then they can bring justice. If they can bring bigotry, then they can bring tolerance. I used to think that the world was hopeless and that people couldn't change. But I think differently now. I think that because of the thing I said up front, If people are responsible for the problem, that means people have the power to fix it. And that extends to everything, to everyone in all our lives. You may feel trapped in a situation, and you are. But that doesn't mean it's the end. Sometimes we have to come up against these situations that are, you know, just are terrible. And and we didn't deserve them. But we have to weather them, and we have to get through them, and we make it to the other side. There is a different life over there. Anyway, sorry to go off on those tangents, but I'm very passionate about those particular subjects and those things, as you can tell. I think the human potential is an amazing thing, and I'm always kind of depressed that we squander it. And mostly, I think I'm judging myself. It sounds like I'm judging others. And perhaps I do. And I regret that. But I think I judge myself most of all because I hold myself to the highest standard. I don't forgive myself easily for mistakes. I am a horrible task master. I work myself to the bone. I demand excellence all the time. And I'm never pleased with the end result. Like 100%. Like... Everything I draw, I look at and go, well, next time, we'll do it better. (laughs) I was looking at FX Magazine tonight. It was a special comic special issue. I've been doing some sketches and some drawings out of there for inspiration. Love that book. And man, that Terry Dodson. Holy cow, can that guy draw. He can draw rings around me. And when I see people that draw so much better, I, I, I just... I think to myself, where did I miss that lesson? Like, anyway, I, however, however, I think I'm closer than I am far away now from being the ultimate artist that I want to be. I can do pretty much anything I want artistically now. It's just a matter of speed and concentration. So I think if I concentrate hard enough, I can get better and I can morph my style into something perhaps more Dodson-like. <laughs> man, that guy's a genius. You know, I celebrate artists. I look at other artists, and I never feel like, I don't know, I don't feel diminished when I see them. Sometimes they feel a little discouraged, like, man, what happened? But I more often than not feel like, wow, like, there it is, like, that, that's, that's amazing. I really celebrate that, that sort of greatness that exists in people. You can find it in everybody if you look hard enough. All right, you guys. Have a fantastic day in your art studios. Keep creating. Keep drawing. Keep doing your thing. And realize that when you fail, it's just a new set of lessons that you can take onto your success venture. We don't know what that successful venture will be yet. We don't know when that, you know, the, the bell will ring and you'll be called to the front. It'll be your turn. You don't know when it's going to happen. That's why you got to keep doing your thing that you love to do because when it, when it comes, when the call comes and they say, Hey, do you want to do this thing you love to do? Well, then you can do it. So I know things can be discouraging. I know I've gotten some letters from friends lately that have broken my heart. It's true. People are in some very grim circumstances, but I pray for them every day. I know things can change. I really do. I think that the power of human beings to change for the good is a real thing. I'm going to work on myself. Have a great day in your art studios. Carry on. Bye-bye.